when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. Please be seated. So those words came from our psalm for today. And it's one that scholars frequently think could be a prophecy uh, foretelling some of the details of Christ's crucifixion that we're going to commemorate in just a couple short weeks. And then we celebrate his resurrection. Woo! But not yet. That's not today. <laughs> today, for many of us, we are still deep in our Lenten fast, waiting for these 40 days to be over, suffering. So what if we were to pause here today and really take a close look at this experience of waiting and not just waiting for Lent to be over, but where are the places in our lives where we feel ourselves waiting for something, something we want, something we want to find out what happens, or some suffering we're waiting for relief from. Psychologists call these spaces in our lives, they call them liminal spaces. It's the space in between where we have not yet left the old or, or we've, we're starting to leave the old, but we have not yet arrived at what's to come. And the psalmist today assures us that good things are coming. But in the meantime, there is traffic and grocery store lines. Sorry, I'm going to do my best for Jay. I think I got you. Uh, some of us are waiting on our tax returns. We're waiting to see what our final grades are going to be. In the counseling program, we're waiting for our KCREP decision. There's just a lot of waiting. And also, in my house, we have two teenagers, and my husband and I, and we have one bathroom. <laughs> so make no mistake, when Lent is over, life is still going to involve a lot of waiting. <laughs> so what helps us? What helps us find God in that liminal space in between? Not just when things get resolved and are okay, but before we know that they're going to be okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's going to be okay. We'll do that. We'll, we'll hope that that's good. So I want to tell you about... Um, our spring break, my family and I, we took a road trip and we went up through Santa Fe and then on into Utah and we, our destination was Zion National Park, but it took us about 20 hours of driving to get there and about 20 hours back. So you can imagine, by the time we got to Zion, we were so happy that a big part of our waiting was over. And we left the car, and the mountains were just gorgeous red, and the air was fresh and piney. And we spent as many hours as we could every day hiking. And as the sun would start to set, the bats would come out and circle around our heads. And my daughter was wearing this big red felt hat. She's 12, and that was just her thing. She wore this big red felt hat all through Zion National Park. And one one of the bats came and almost knocked the hat off of her head. It was just this fantastic time. But honestly, 
we would have been deliriously happy to have been anywhere other than the car at that point. We were just so happy that our waiting seemed to be over. And so one of the memories that stayed with me most from this trip was um, on the second day on one of our hikes, it was a really steep trail, and we had to hold onto these chains to just stay on the trail. So because it, we had to concentrate so hard, we weren't doing a lot of talking. And we were pretty quiet getting up there. But then on the way back, it was so much easier. And so we were chatting and visiting. And my husband, something reminded him of a story. And he started telling us about this guy that he had met on a retreat a couple months ago. So we'll call this guy Bobby. And Bobby is a white, middle-aged man, and he was telling these guys on his retreat about a time he had spent on a Native American reservation. And he was visiting with the tribal elders. And at one point in the conversation, Bobby asked, they were talking about the tribe's traditions. And Bobby asked the elder about the rain dance. And he said to the elder, so you believe that if you dance in a certain way, you can make the rains come? And the tribal elder said, you white men, you think everything is always about control. But we don't dance to change the weather. We dance to help us be patient while we're waiting. And I think we could use some practices to help us be patient while we're waiting. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. This whole psalm for me really does bring to mind Christ's crucifixion and like the night before when he's praying in the garden and he's so crushed in his spirit. And you might recall he prays a prayer that was something like some version of like, God, what the heck kind of story are you writing here, right? Maybe not exactly that. That's in the extended version if you watch it all the way. But he was like, God, are you sure this is how you want this whole thing to go down? Because I'm not really feeling it. And if you could just take the film back to the editing room and cut this scene out that's about to come, I think we could probably create an alternate ending. But then, in that moment, I like to think maybe this psalm came floating up in his consciousness, or one like it something that allowed him to find enough comfort, a margin of relief to find his patience. Because then you'll notice he ends the prayer by saying something like, okay, really need this heartbroken scene. If it's essential to the story you're writing, God, let it be. Let your story be written. Let your film be made. May we find similar words to lend us just an ounce more patience while we wait for God's rescue and redemption. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.